Welcome back to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM920, Atlanta's own The Answer. I'm Cleve Gaddis, host of this show, and on this segment, we've got John Birchfield with Capital City Home Loans. We're going to talk about interest rates, what's going on in the interest rate environment. They can't stay low forever. We're going to talk about the difference between a good and a bad pre-approval letter because there is a big difference, and if you're trying to buy a house, you need to pay attention and listen. Stay tuned and listen to that. We're going to talk about how if you have a good pre-approval, you can maybe shorten your contingency periods and how much of a loan origination fee should you pay. Well, Welcome, welcome, John Birchfield. You are always one of my favorite guests. You have probably done more uh, segments on this show with me than anybody, and I always enjoy having you here, sir. I enjoy being here. It's a lot of fun, always. And for those who who don't know, John is my preferred mortgage provider. He's where I get all of my loans from. I've been buying some investment properties over the years. I know my ex-wife is in the process of buying an investment property, and I know, John, you're helping her. And mm-hmm. so we, he, he is our preferred mortgage expert. John, if somebody wanted to reach you, if they had questions about mortgage, you have a heart of a teacher, uh, you're willing to talk to people who can't get mortgages or who aren't ready or who are looking to get a mortgage in 10 years, you'd still talk to them. How can they reach you? What's the number? Absolutely. We love those conversations. And they can always reach me at 678-226-7887. 678-226-7887. Let's remember... We want to connect with you. Go to Go Gaddis Radio, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S Radio. You can ask questions, make comments, push back. You can share ideas if you have great ideas. You can also request your neighborhood be featured in our neighborhood spotlight, and you can subscribe to our podcast, which we totally, totally encourage you to do. John, let's jump into our topics. What's going on in this interest rate environment? They had to have gone up. They have to have gone up by now. They can't, <laughs> they can't stay low forever. What's up? That's what you would have thought. And certainly they did go up in the middle of February pretty drastically, uh, still low, but went went way up. But what we've seen over the last six weeks is a steady decline to the point that we are almost as low as we were at the lowest points we had seen. Um, so it is an extremely um, great environment to finance uh, mortgage loans. Um, and one key note to that is, uh, is folks that are thinking about refinancing. Right. Um, you know, the, the federal agencies that kind of dictate how interest rates are structured, they right. added some fees to their interest rates last fall that made it a little more expensive for folks to refinance. Called a uh, adverse? Adverse market fee. Market fee. Yeah. Now, I heard that that might be going away, or is that only it did on? Go it, away. it did. Can you believe it? It did. It did just recently, and we've already seen it on our rate sheets. And that's made it that's made it a lot more affordable to refinance for folks that were kind of on the edge. Yeah. So for your listeners, if they kind of checked into refinancing uh, over the last year and it just didn't quite make sense, well, they need to call us and run those numbers again because it it might this time. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. I'm Cleve Gaddis. I'm the host of this show. I'm joined on the line by John Birchfield of Capital City Home Loans. We're talking about the interest rate environment today. John, I want to ask you a question. The adverse market, whatever the heck it was called, I'm sorry you just said it. I can't. You, you think I could pay attention to you well <laughs> enough to remember what you said. It, it was it was a half a percent of the loan amount. It was a what? It was based on some percentage it was of something. Three seven five. So per- three eighths of the loan amount. Now that wasn't. But but as but, a, but, as but a, hold on. Let me clarify. I'm so sorry because you might have gone. Was it a three eighths percent increase on the? Oh, so it changed the rate. 
No, well, it no? could. It's okay. not on the rate. It's okay. in the pricing. Got it. So in other words, apples to apples, the exact same interest rate, it would have cost somebody 0.375% of the loan amount more in closing cost a week ago than it does today. Perfect. Perfect. And what was the deadline? When did it stop? Well, it's it, it stopped. Good. I don't know. Um, I want to say Friday afternoon was when it was announced. Okay. But it takes a while to trickle down to rate sheets because you've got existing locks that you have to look back. Can you modify them? Can you help folks out? So there's some complicated math that goes into when does it start showing up. But but we, I saw it this morning that it was uh, definitely a lot lot more more affordable environment to refinance. It's amazing. So if you looked at refinancing and it was 500 or or $1,000 out of your range to do that, it could be that you can actually refinance now. And, John, I feel for anybody who's out there who wants to refinance in today's wonderful interest rate environment and feels for some reason that they can't do that. And uh, I encourage anybody uh, to give you a call. John, give that phone number one more time. 678-226-7887. So how long will interest rates stay low, Mr. Birchfield? <laughs> what does your crystal ball say, sir? Uh, I'm wrong every time I say this. Um, you know, interest rates are going to it, – it, it all depends on your definition of low. I think that's the key. So, so let's, let, have, let's define it as low being what they are today. Now, you and I both know that the average historic rate over time is closer to 6%, maybe a little above, maybe a little below, but it's somewhere around 6 And so right. what I'm talking about is staying as low as they are today, which is 3%. And maybe you're not supposed to talk interest rates on the radio, but I can. 3% is sometimes a little bit less than 3%. And my question We're is – a good bit less than that. Okay, today, well, so, so I love that. Oh, man. So if you're out there listening and you think you want to rate a good bit less than 3%, Three percent, John. John Birchfield might be the one for you to call, but but how long will they stay low? And I think you know the answer to the question. It's just you have to answer the question with a question. Basically, I have to hedge my bet. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, if I had to, if I was a betting man, I would say that we would stay in the low threes. Yep. Maybe lower. Yep. For the next six to twelve months. Got That's it. What and I would guess. the changes that would call the, the the conditions that would cause that to change have to do with the level of uncertainty in the world. So as things continue to open up and get more stable and we get back to normal, it is almost, and and I'm not an economist, so if you're listening and you disagree with me, feel free to, you know, go to gogaddisradio.com and push back. But when things are good around the world, interest rates will always be higher. And I think that's Absolutely. I think that's an accurate blanket statement. And for people who hundred percent who don't, and that's under- what we've seen over the last six weeks is that there's more uncertainty. You know, we think about the COVID environment that drove interest rates so low. Well, yep. in the U.S. we're doing fairly well that's still, right. although there's some concerns. But worldwide, there are a lot of countries that haven't been haven't gotten an opportunity to, to distribute the vaccine at the levels that we have, and those countries are are, are having some major issues. And um, that trickles all the way down to our interest rates. And and that means that people from all over the world would rather invest in either U.S. Treasury bonds or Treasury bills, or they'd rather invest in mortgage-backed securities. And that's what makes the cost of the loans uh, get a little bit lower. And, John, you, you just mentioned something uh, that I think we all should be aware of. You know, here in the United States, we are very fortunate. I've been vaccinated. Have you been vaccinated, John? I have. You have been vaccinated. And I had COVID and got vaccinated, which, by the way, meant the first shot hurt me, not the second shot. And I think it's normally the other way around. Um, and But we're just so fortunate from a healthcare standpoint. And we've got all kinds of problems, but we're really very lucky. And, you know, we probably on some level have some responsibility uh, as a nation to help uh, help the rest of the world get through this because, you know, our technology st- tends to be better and we have so much more capital to invest in things. So let's jump into a new subject, John. And that is 
First of all, what is the definition of a strong pre-approval letter or a good pre-approval letter versus a bad pre-approval letter? Because you can go to your lender and your lender can say, hey, I'm going to give you a pre-qualification letter, Cleve. You know, do you need mm-hmm. my name? No. Do you need my social security number? No. Do you need my birth date? No. I'll just give you a pre-qualification letter. And it says, based on my guesses, guesses, I think you can get a loan. Yeah. And people used exactly to right. and people used to submit those all the time, John. They used to submit yep. those with offers. Yep. Basically so, just trusting uh, your word for what you think things are and how that would correspond to underwriting guidelines. Yep. Um, that's yep. not a good approval letter. No way. Um, what we want to do for certain is one, you know, scrub down the credit, not just the credit scores, but look at the trade lines, the trending data within those trade lines. We're going to want to collect all the borrower's financial statements that we've talked about before, like yep. pay stubs, W-2s, possibly tax returns, bank statements. And we review those. So last two pay stubs, last two years W-2s, if you're self-employed, last two years tax returns, bank statements back 60 days? Is that? 60 I want to make I want to make sure that everybody knows what you're going to be looking for or what really any lender uh, will be looking yeah. for. So, John, if I am a consumer, okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I necessarily want to commit to one lender when I go get my pre-approval and you're asking me to open the covers and let you get in there with me. And so, so, so how would I know that I wouldn't be stuck using you if your rate was not as good as I might be able to get somewhere else? Because there is an answer. And I know you, you would prefer people not to shop around on you, but it happens all the time. Well, it should. I mean, you know, I got to put myself in the shoes of the consumer too. It's an important, huge investment. You got to make sure you're getting a good deal, but whoever you get your pre-approval from that is no commitment whatsoever to that particular institution. Uh, you can get the pre-approval, shop for the home, secure the contract on the home, and then decide exactly who you want to work with to fund the loan. So I want to tell you, and I'm just going to reveal our secret. So when we refer you to a, a consumer, uh, we will always encourage that consumer to get one more estimate. Every once in a while, John, we find one that's as good as yours, sometimes even a little better because of a special promotion or something like that. And then what we recommend that consumer do, do is well, they just bring that to you and say, hey, here's what I'm getting over here. Can you can you match this? And sometimes you're not even familiar with the programs, but you start digging and you figure it out and you realize, oh, my gosh, I can do that same exact thing. So when you get a pre-approval from somebody, go ahead and let them see underneath the, the cover. Let them go ahead and see everything because that way when you make the offer, it's going to be much stronger. John, we've got about a minute and a half left. I always appreciate your advice and guidance. What is the typical loan origination fee? in today's market a what percentage of the loan okay so i want to make sure that's clear listen so if you go to a lender and they're charging you a loan in origination fee it's not that they can't but they're doing something that is sort of contrary to the market in most cases lenders don't charge any loan origination fees at all it is it's become common to 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 zero cost on the origination fees. so when i got my last loan for my house the common origination fee was one percent I got my loan in 1999, and it's like across the board, everybody paid a 1% loan origination fee, and that has gone away. Now, real quickly, what type of loans do you handle? We've got about 35 seconds left in the segment. What type of loans do you handle personally? Meaning, can you do FHA, VA, USDA? Yeah, those are the four bigs, right? You got your conventional financing, FHA, VA, USDA. But beyond that, we have an extensive line of portfolio products because our mission is to make sure we've got every tool in the toolbox to serve as many buyers as we can and find that individual niche fit for their budget. Awesome. John, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. We'll have you back on in the next couple of weeks. In our next segment, you definitely want to stay tuned. How do hurricanes affect local real estate markets? Should you keep a termite bond? 
in place on your home in Metro Atlanta. And can you really lose out on a listing? Meaning, can you have another buyer beat you out because of the type of mortgage financing you're getting? We'll have those subjects and more. You stick with us because we'll be back.